championship points for the sixth seed. Del Potro reaches up and serves, and Federer slices the back end down the line. It's floated cross-court from Del Potro. Del Potro double-handed this time, cross-court and middle of the court. Now the double-handed from Del Potro, and Federer now opens up the forehand, but he drifts it long, and there is the roar for Juan Martín Del Potro. The smile on the face of the Argentine. He has won his first ever Masters 1000 title, his second title of 2018, his 22nd of his career, and he is the new world number six. A nice embrace from the players at the net, but here is the applause from the crowd. He raises his arms aloft. After two hours and 40 minutes, Juan Martín Del Potro comes through to take the Indian Wells title against Roger Federer, 6-4, 6-7, 7-6. Four years ago, and one of Juan Martín Del Potro's crowning glories. Alas, since then, the celebrations have been few and far between, and this week, after years plagued by injuries and surgeries to his wrist and knee, the gentle giant Tower of Tandil carefully hung his headband on the net and bade an emotional fond farewell to his home fans after losing to countryman Federico Del Bonis in Buenos Aires. Only time will tell whether that match will be Del Potro's last. Whether it was or not, the response from fellow players on tour was just as emotional. In Rotterdam, the ATP uncovered cameras were filming and the number of the players were watching from afar. Here are the thoughts of Hubi Hercatch, Joe Wilfred Songer, Felix Auger-Aliassime, and first of all, a man who knows him well, Andy Murray. I'm aware of what it's like to be in, in that position where you're sort of yeah, running out of options and things to, to rehab and, and try. So, you know, he's had many issues, you know, throughout his career. And yet every time when he came back to play, you know, he was always competing with the top players, always very dangerous. Definitely, you know, an, an idol growing up. And I, I will always keep a good memory of uh, our encounter um, at the end of my, I think after it was after my quarterfinals in New York last year, he was there. And he was very just genuinely uh, nice to me. You know, we don't know each other well, but we met each other a few times in tournaments, but he was really nice, had some really good words for me, very encouraging, so uh, very, you know, always a class act, you know, he's a great person. I had a chance to, to practice with him. The way he, he hit the ball was, uh, was ridiculous. Everyone also like, liked him and, and supported him, so a great, great player, great person, so I think he brought a lot to the, to the game. He did a lot for tennis, not only in South America, but also uh, outside of it. He was one of the players able to beat uh, the big three. And I think he gave a lot of pleasure to, to fans, and he was a special player. As a player, he had sort of a power that very few guys on the tour have ever had. You know, his forehand was, was an unbelievable shot. He was a very intelligent player, which I don't really think, you know, would get spoken about that much because he was so powerful. You know, he, you know, he had issues with his wrist for a number of years and, you know, had to sort of adapt the way that he was playing, he used a lot of slice backhands and was still, you know, very competitive with the, the best players in the world, even with, with that issue. Yeah, he was really popular all around the world. People loved watching him play. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's really sad and I hope, hope he's okay. Um, I hope he gets a send-off that he, he deserves and that he's sort of fit enough and healthy enough to 
you know, to, to play some matches, but yeah, it's obviously really sad. Andy Murray, Felix Auger-Aliassime, Joe Wilfred Songa and Hubert Hercatch on the great man, Juan Martin Del Potro. Welcome to the latest ATP podcast. I'm Seb Lozier and I am in Rio for the second ATP 500 of the year and the first on clay where Juan Martin Del Potro had been given a wild card and was due to play had all gone well. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened. And to get the South American take on the former US Open champion, I sat down with Brazilian sports journalist Alex Cosenza. It had me in tears. I mean, watching him say... He didn't uh, say goodbye 100% there. He was kind of holding back a bit, but we felt that maybe this is it. And, and, and he, him almost apologizing for not being able to play the way that he wanted to play and for as long as he wanted to play. And it was, it was really emotional. I mean, not only for people in Buenos Aires, but and in Brazil, we love him to death. And I, I mean, all over the world, it was scenes that, I don't know, I, I'm guessing many people cried just as I did because it was... Really, really strong feelings coming out, and it's it's sad because it's a guy that everybody loves we, uh, here in Brazil. I, I always say that he reminds me so much of Guga and Guga Kirten, and uh, with his charisma and and the fact that Guga was loved in Argentina and Delpo was loved in Brazil, and when he played the Olympics here, everybody was singing his name, Brazilians and and Argentinians together. It's just something that we never see. And uh, so, so it was really, well, well, we're sorry that he didn't come to, to Rio, but uh, I'm sure the tournament director understands, everybody understands that it feels like a proper goodbye at home for him. And uh, we, he will be missed. But yeah, that's, that we, we can't really complain about it. It's, it's just the way it is. It's fascinating to hear you talk about how beloved he is really as, a, as an Argentine yeah. everywhere in South America. Can you put your finger on why that is? I, I mean, uh, there's a sense that uh, I feel in Brazil, from Brazilians and I guess from South Americans as well, that uh, when one of our players go and beat big, strong European, American guys, that it's, okay, he's, he's one of us. And Delpo being one of the most charismatic guys on the tour, he, we kind of just embraced embrace him. So that's, I mean, that's a, that's a little bit of, of the part. And I mean, we love to see a guy against all odds. I mean, there's the uh, financial issue of leaving South America and having to to travel around the world and paying with our currencies, which are worth like very little compared to euros and dollars. So this this whole thing, I mean, and, and when we see one of the guys doing well and beating Federer at the U.S. Open, like it's really emotional for for everybody. I mean, we see the uh, our colleagues, the uh, Argentinian uh, journalists, they're all celebrating on the stands. It's it's so fun to to, to, to share it with them. Because I mean, it, you look at the numbers. He beat the world number one ten times in his yeah. career. I mean, for a guy who for a guy who didn't reach world number one himself I don't think anyone else has done that um, is there a sense that you know without all of these injuries he, he could have really won a lot more Grand Slams uh, definitely I mean he's he's beaten uh, Djokovic in Wimbledon uh, it was the Olympics right 
He's beaten Rafa the U.S. Open. He's beaten Federer at the U.S. Open. I mean, he's beaten everybody. I mean, it was just a question of being. I mean, that's what I think anyway. It was a question of being healthy long enough for him to 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 do it long enough and as and often enough with uh, the potential that he had in his game and with his cannon of a forehand, he could have beaten everybody. How much did he help tennis rival? the other giant sports here in South America. Nobody needs to needs me to tell them that football is, you know, just a giant among sports here. Um, at times, did he start to compete with that? I think in, in Argentina, yes. Uh, but uh, being a Brazilian, I kind of envy them because they value tennis a lot more than we do. And uh, you see in the, the newspapers, Delpo, Nalbandian a few years ago, and they, they were headliners. They were front pagers and in Brazil we almost don't see that but uh, we love when it happens and we we envy them a bit when it happens and but it's great it's great to to be able to show uh, that okay football is big it's, it's wonderful I love football but hey there's there's these other people too who, who are awesome athletes and who can I don't know who deserve the, to be highlighted as well just focusing a little bit on tennis in the sporting context of South America and Brazil, um, where is tennis? How popular is the sport here and, and how can it maybe grow? It is popular uh, as much as it can be with, uh, I call this, I call this uh, uh, football monoculture in Brazil. I don't know if it, if it translates well to English, but it's like, okay, there's football and then there's the rest of it. Even in newspapers we have like, uh, uh, a football page and like uh, Olympics pages like the rest so uh, it's great it's great when we have one of the guys like shared the, the, the front pages with football so and uh, but uh, yeah it's it's still tough to to, to make it grow as, as and, and encourage more people uh, more kids to to go into tennis instead of football but uh, I think it's a process. It, it, uh, when we have a few more players doing well, they will always motivate kids to, to do this. We had a huge wave of uh, kids playing, start, starting to play tennis when Google was doing well. And then it all, like, the numbers went down after he retired. So it's, it's uh, a wavy thing, it's, it, it, it happens in waves in Brazil. So when we have something doing well, when Bellucci was doing well, I remember in 2011, he made the semis in Madrid, almost beat Djokovic when Djokovic had, was like in 40, 40 something straight wins. And then it was a, a short wave of people watching tennis, but then it went down again and it goes, it, it's abs and flows. Is there a new Guga? It, on the horizon, do, do you know something that we don't? Uh, not really uh, right now. Uh, we, we kind of hope that Thiago Wild, Saibot Wild, would, would be this guy. And he, he had a great year two years ago. He won Santiago. But now he's a bit stuck in the rankings. He, had, he didn't deal so well with the pandemic, with which um, many players didn't deal well with it. And, and it's tough. It was a different env environment, different situation for everybody. And he's stuck at 120, 130 something in the rankings, uh, but we still hope he, he can be this guy who, who he has the potential, he has the shots, 
he just has to he just has to uh, manage things a little better in his career and he has the potential to be top 100 maybe top 50 guy and if a brazilian can't win here in rio this week which isn't to say they can't by the way we may have a brazilian winner who knows but if it doesn't happen what what about the next best thing yeah. the top seed with a brazilian grandmother how much is this story capturing the imagination i guess here in rio yeah Berrettini is the obvious choice now uh, he has a brazilian grandmother and he was doing his first press conference here two days ago and uh the expression on his face when he was telling the story of his grandmother being born here and traveling to to italy and meeting his grandfather and how and how matteo said it with uh, a happy look in his eyes he was telling he was telling a love story really and <laughs> how he learned portuguese when he was a kid and that was that was interesting and the way he told this i mean it, it i think it captured us it made us root for him a, a bit more so I, i mean we we don't see why he wouldn't be the crowd favorite th this week yeah and he's had his injury problems as well there's not a lot not to like about matteo isn't yeah. there i mean off the court and on the court yeah he's he says the right things he has the looks he he has the the brazilian dna in him so I mean, he's had, he has a cannon of a forehand, a nice serve. There's nothing to not like about the guy. If you did have to pick a winner right now, knowing who else is here, the Schwartzmans, the, the Roods, um, who, who, are you, who are you rooting for? Uh, I'd go with Carlos Alcaraz. He, he, he's played here before when he, he had his first ATP win here two, two years ago, a match that finished at 3 a.m. in the morning. He's a good play quarter. He... He, he plays well under these conditions with hot and humidity and the ball is a bit heavy. It should be slower conditions for him. And there's the possibility that he meets Matteo in the quarters. So I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, I think if whoever wins that game is a heavy favorite for the, for the title. Thanks to Alex Cosenza, who is also presenting the tournament podcast here at the Rio Open. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Shortly we'll get more on the return to Rio from an excited tournament director, Louis Carvalho. But first, let's hear more from Andy Murray. Paul King spoke with the former world number one in Rotterdam this week and asked him how he'd assess his season so far. Inconsistent, probably. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, I've had, had some good matches. Uh, Sydney was... You know, a really good week for me, very positive. But then, yeah, in between that, you know, wasn't that obviously I feel like I could have done better at the Australian Open. You know, I'd, it was great to be back there. And, you know, it was really positive that, like, physically I felt good after a long match in the in the first round there. But, yeah, I was, I was disappointed with, with how that trip ended. But great that I, you know, reached my first final in a few years and the body body felt good, so... And now you are winning matches a lot more regularly, certainly since, uh, since the surgery and everything. How tempting is it to play as, as much as you, you can or, and how much are you having to sort of, sort of temper that uh, in, in a way to sort of look after yourself as well? Yeah, I mean, I have to be a little bit reactive with my scheduling and, you know, obviously, you know, if I have a really good week, I need to then, you know, potentially reassess whether I play the, the following week or, or not. Um, you know, I'm at that age now and obviously with the issues I've had in recent years, I do need to be careful. But 
yeah, obviously, whilst I'm, I'm feeling good and, and I'm healthy, then, yeah, I want to I wanna try and compete. That's what the last few years of rehab and training and stuff was for, not to feel good to practice well. Like, I want to feel good on, on the match court. So, yeah, I'll, I'll try and play whilst, whilst I can. Yeah. You made a racket change this year. Talk us through the thinking behind that and how, is, uh, how are you getting on with that, that uh, change? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I'd play with the same racket for 20 years um, and the same strings. You would hope that things have moved on a little bit in, in 20 years or so with the racket technologies and stuff. Um, but yeah, the, the racket I played with was, you know, was a, I mean, amazing racket. Obviously, I, I loved it. And, you know, a lot of players on the tour still still use a, a very similar one, but it's also not an easy racket to play with. It's not very forgiving. You know, the sweet spot is very small. and. Yeah, I just felt like maybe something that was a little bit more forgiving, maybe give me a little bit sort of easier power might um, might help. And um, yeah, in terms of all the data and numbers that we've got from the matches that I've played so far, that has been the case. So, you know, my average speed on my ground strokes a little bit higher, same on the serve. So it's given me what I want, but it, it takes time to get used to that. And, you know, I had a couple of weeks with it in the off season but um, you know, playing indoors and then going to sort of fairly extreme conditions over in Australia outdoors is quite different, and struggled at times a little bit with with that. Um, so yeah, it's just need to keep continuing to to practice with it and you know get used to the the new stick. But it's it's been been positive so far. Another switch for you this year, of course, is on the uh, the coaching side with a uh, parting company with Jamie at the end of last year. What's the latest on the the coaching situation for you? Yeah, so still, still looking. Um, you know, I, you know, I've said, you know, this is an important decision for me to make sure. You know, I don't want to rush into anything and, you know, get the the wrong person. You know, because I I don't know how how long I'm going to be be playing for. I'm aware that this is, you know, a really important important choice for me. So. In the short term, you know, until I get a permanent solution, I'll probably, you know, surround myself with people that I know and I'm quite comfortable with and familiar with, so that, you know, it's maybe a little bit pointless doing two or three weeks here with someone you you don't really, you know, you don't really know if it's not going to be a long-term thing. So, you know, next few weeks, you know, I'm with Danny Valverde, who I worked with, you know, uh, earlier in my career. We know each other very, very well. And then, yeah, keep uh, keep searching for for a more permanent solution moving forward. Back to Rio, where here on the first Sunday, the sun is baking down on the Jockey Club, and the burnt red clay courts that sit next to the city's racecourse in the shadow of Christ the Redeemer. It is a busy scene with qualifying ongoing, and the main draw matches still to get underway. But tournament director Louis Carvalho is delighted to have it all back up and running, after cancelling in 2021. One year away from this, you know, really made us sad. Uh, we often like to say that the people that organize this event, we're a big family, so we miss each other as well, you know, on the backstage. Uh, and, and, you know, this, this event means a lot uh, for Rio and for Brazil. Obviously, it's much more than just a tennis event. It's a completely, complete platform of entertainment. A lot of people come uh, here just to have a good time. Uh, and obviously, for tennis, it's very special. We saw a huge uh, bump in, in the interest of tennis during the pandemic. A lot of more people picked up a racket. We, we know that uh, this was uh, also true from the ticket sales. You know, we are completely sold out. Every session of this and sold out uh, like a month ago. So that, that shows how much you know, tennis become even more uh, popular in, in Brazil. 
and we're very happy again to, to be here to be able to provide uh, something for people to you know cheer and have a good time because we really deserve this after uh, so long. It is a very different world in many ways. How much has the tournament had to change? Well, obviously, uh, we had to make some adjustments uh, because of you know, the new COVID rules. Uh, we feel also, on the other hand, people are so uh, hungry for, for events to have a good time that we can feel yesterday from the first day that we were here how happy people are, are to be back and to be able to, to see a, a live event. Uh, other than that, just you know, small adjustments, social distancing, just obviously the testing for the players and, and little things that we had to spread out the people a little bit more. Also to make people safe, because it's one top priority of ours is to make sure that the people that bought the tickets, they feel like they're safe here, uh, regardless of well, whether they're eating or they're on, on court watching the matches, that they know they're going to have a good time and be able to go back home without any risks. You mentioned ticket sales have been crazy. How many fans is that? And and also, do you know where they're coming from? Is it just Rio or are they traveling from all over the place? Well, we saw a pickup a lot from uh, Sao Paulo. is a big market for us. There's, uh, I think, like more than uh, 40% or 50% of people come from outside of Rio. So obviously Rio has a, has a very... It's on the DNA of you know tourism and people like to come here not only to come for an event but to enjoy the city. Uh, I mean, as far as ticket goes, we're expecting more than 55,000 people to come through the gates uh, this year, which is, you know, is going to be a record, almost like on the days that Rafa Nadal was playing. So we're very happy to be to be back to 2014, 15, 16 when he was here. In terms of the players, what are they telling you? Um, because they are a, a barometer too, aren't they, for any tournament? Um, they must be pleased that the fans are here. Yeah, yeah, they, they enjoy the Brazilian crowds. They're very enthusiastic. It's a bit of a football crowd, like it's in Buenos Aires as well. People get involved, they get emotional. And I feel like the, the people, uh, the players like that, right? It's, it's a different atmosphere than the current events in Europe, for example. It's, more, it's a different kind of crowd and obviously a different uh, uh, weather as well. So uh, we, I, I believe like when the players, when the Brazilian players are on center court, it's most, the most amazing crowds, but also you have the, the, the fan favorites. And I think Alcaraz is going to be a very one, big one here from what he has done since uh, he won his first match in 2020. And we're expecting, again, full crowds and hopefully a great atmosphere for the players. You mentioned Alcaraz, Carlos Alcaraz. He's, he's such a wonderful player now already. Big breakthrough for him two years ago. It seems to be a tournament where lots of people have a breakthrough. Why, why is that, do you think? I don't know. I think, yeah, it's a, it's a, very, it's a tournament where the underdogs really do well. We had many good uh, Cinderella runs here in the past. You know, Felix Eliassim reached his first 500 final here. Uh, also, but as you said, you know there are other players. Alcaraz winning his first match, Rude uh, making a great run back in the days in the semifinals. I feel like they feel the, they feed the energy from the crowds. These younger players, especially, they have a lot of energy and they can play for hours. And and and, and you know it's the, the hot weather as well. I feel like they 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 like that. And uh, yeah, we'll see we'll see who's going to be the Cinderella run this year. Hopefully, hopefully a Brazilian player or not or a quarter Brazilian player. He's not going to be a Cinderella because he's the world number six, but nice story with Matteo Berrettini, your top seed, eh? Unbelievable story about Matteo. We're so glad to find out that his grandma was Brazilian and she's here with us this week, so it's very special. Matteo is a fan favorite wherever he plays in the world, and especially in Brazil because of the Italian roots as well. Uh, Brazil and Italy has a you know a great uh, relationship uh, as far as the culture goes, so I'm sure that people are going to be very much behind him. 
and let's see how he how he can do it if he can go all the way from one happy brazilian we finish this week with another and another former world number one with a couple of grand slams under his belt 38 year old marcelo Melo is still going strong out there on tour so what is the secret to his longevity jill krabus went in search of answers uh, i think is to do uh, everything uh, the best as i can like uh, scheduling wise uh, practicing wise physio to make uh, my career as long as possible uh, i always try to uh, to go back to brazil to at the same time relax with my friends and family but practice to come back to the tournament strong and uh, and always listen to the body i think when you listen to the body you gotta know when to stop when don't practice when you practice and uh, i think that's it it's a long time playing i hope i can still continue going for a couple more years because uh, I'm still enjoying a lot to be out here. Yeah. So I hope so. And just talking about uh, managing the body, is that something that you feel like you've gotten better at with experience? Uh, for sure. We will do uh, scheduling better, like I said, during the tournaments as well. We do a lot of uh, gym uh, in, the, in the physio to recover the body, especially in this time. But I think the most important is to learn how to practice. As soon as you get older, you don't spend so much time on the courts anymore. Like, three or four hours mm. you the same now if you I practice one hour it's like three hours before you know so you is very uh, direct and the focus and the intensity since the first minute until the last one do you feel that that's helped you I guess I, I what I'm asking is for your mentality do you feel like that's helped you narrow your focus a little bit more and the with their shorter practices uh, yes uh, I'm doing this like lately but uh, in doubles today is so intense like uh, the matches can be 45 minutes, 50 minutes, one hour, and so intense. So if you practice like that, or practice a little bit longer, of course, uh, you gotta be you, you gotta be ready because only in Wimbledon you play best for five normal. We can play five hours, but uh, here no. And uh, but uh, the most important, like I said, like uh, I do a lot of fitness training. They say why you do a lot in doubles because it keeps my body in shape to be to practice very good. So I think point, putting this all, all together uh, with the good team, they talk each other, is the, is the key, I think. And, and throughout your career, because you had such a long career, so I want to focus on a couple things in that regard. Um, as far as how the game has progressed, uh, I've talked to a lot of players that said like the game has gotten a lot more physical. Is that something that you relate to, that you think as well, and has that changed your training at all? Uh, yes, uh, singles for sure. I thought uh, got physical. Uh, in doubles, if you see, it's very fast, like I said. So you, you gotta be fast, you gotta be ready. One point can change the match. So let's say you get tired a little bit at the match tiebreak, you can lose one point and then you lose the match. Or if you play normal in Grand Slams, you gotta play at the advantage, at the advantage. So you gotta be ready. So it be, so it comes back again. If you wanna be top ten or number one, this and that, you gotta be ready physical wise. And then also I know. As far as doubles partners, you've played with Kubat the last few years, and now you're playing with Dodig, who you had played with before in the past. What is your approach to be able to adapt to different partners? What do you feel like you do the best? Yeah, like uh, even we played five years, and uh, I, st- I start to play high level in doubles with Ivan. Uh, we have been on tour since then, so we practice together, even though we don't play anymore. I think the even. And Kubi matches a lot to my game. They return very good. They serve very good. So I think it's, it's easier for me 
uh, today to uh, to match events, uh, bringing back what we played before. It seems we have been playing for years and years, and that's a very good feeling. And what do you feel like has been so important for you? Because you've been successful with a few different partners. What do you feel like is the most important thing for a partnership? I think it's the, the way you adapt and adjust to your partner. Everybody's different. Everybody thinks in different way. I'm South American. Kubo was from Poland, even from Croatia. I played Raven from South Africa. So everybody's different. So you got to be ready. Uh, to, I, I always prefer to adjust to them than they make them adjust to me. So are, I, like how, so are you talking about culturally? Is that what you're talking about? Just playing with different no, people? No, it's just from... mentality, the way I play. Okay. Sometimes I change it to, to match them. Let's say Kubot is very aggressive on the, on the return, okay. so I know what I could do it. And then I don't want to change the way they play. I'd rather change myself, like uh, to be more solid or to be more aggressive or to the way I talk, the way I speak, the way I practice. I think if I can do that, which one I have been doing, it's, it's easier to make the team play better. That's, that's interesting because I feel like so many players want to make sure they're focused on what they can do well. But in, yeah. in your situation, you feel like you do the best when you're adapting and you, you feel yeah. like you're able to adapt your game yeah. in a lot Most of different of areas. The times, yeah, yes. that's uh, impressive. Because, uh, I mean, one year I played with 11 different partners. Yeah. Everybody plays different. So yeah. if I played the same way, it's difficult to match to everyone. So if you were allowed, of course, I'm not going to change from the water to sand, but uh, I will manage as best as I can yeah. to be there. You know, they, they know, I know what they're going to do and uh, do your game, and then I, I adjust to you. So I think this is the key. And I think, I mean, the fact that you've played for so long, your career has, spent, has spanned so many, gone through different generations. How do you feel like, I guess, you know, making that those partnerships, not only with, you know, players that are your age, but also the younger generation coming up, how important is it for you to have those relationships on tour? Oh, it's nice. Uh, like you said, I come, uh, uh, was playing a lot with um, Bjorkman, Mirny, Clement, Lodra, all these guys, uh, Songa, yeah. all these guys, and now a young generation are coming yeah. in. Uh, they are very nice. Everybody knows have... A very good uh, relationship with Sasha Hubi right. uh, Hukash uh, as well is a very is a good friend. He was very good friend of Kubi. He's very good friend of Kubi. So I got to know him there. He's such a nice guy. So I think it's important. Uh, it's different uh, this this relationship. Uh, like you said, tennis has been changing a lot. So I have seen a lot. And uh, again, you're adjusting to them. I yeah. rather, uh, of course, I'm older. How can you have a friend? Uh, Ten years of 12 years younger than I mean, you. you're in this world. It's understandable, it's, yeah. Yeah, we just, we technically do the same. I just have more years than here, yeah. more experience, but we we talk and speak about the same things. We travel together to the same things. That's why I end up with a very good relationship with Sasha because when Sasha came, I was here already. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do the same. We play video games after. We I try to be young. And uh, I think that's fun. This gives me life and new energy, good things. I always try to uh, to see towards a positive way. And as far as you um, personally, just some more besides video games, yeah. what else do you like to do to, just to get your mind away from tennis? Any hobbies, I like, activities? I like to see a lot of movies. I like to see sometimes series um, on the internet. I talk to my friends in Brazil. Uh, pretty much like that. I like to play games on the cell phone. I don't like to see the news, a lot of news. I think it's, sometimes it's too negative. I don't like that. So yeah. I'd rather stay focused on the good things, positive things to keep going. 
And one other thing that you just brought to my attention was, you know, the fact that you started a career where there was really no social media impact, and now it's just everywhere. Do, do you get into that? How do you do? You feel like it's affected you differently, affected players differently? For sure. Uh, of course, today the players spend way more time on the cell phones than when uh, we, we started the kite off. To call home, you need to call someone to someone connect the call to home. So it was difficult to talk to them now. I mean, it has been changing a lot. Uh, it was a good and bad way at the same time. Uh, I feel like uh, players talk less between them because of the cell phone. Now you can reach your friends, in, like say me in Brazil. I can right. reach my friends. I can reach my family way easier. You can play games before. If you don't have the cell phone, you interact between the players. So you can play cards. Uh, we can do more stuff here because you kind of have no communication. So social media today, like I said, is good and bad at the same time. So we got to be there, we got to use, but we need to be careful at the same time to not be so interested and lose the focus on right. things. Because that wasn't around so much when you started, do yeah. you, nowadays, do you try and disconnect a little bit? Uh, I'm, I'm, sometimes I'm on it, sometimes not, but I'm not digging in like see the comments or I, I always get the, the good feedback. I see the couple first messages we're trying to get, oh. always supporting us. And uh, I always do towards more towards my team when I was playing Kubot, when I was playing this and that, then my personal life. Hmm. Uh, I, I feel the fans like to know about tennis, where I'm traveling. I mean, it's, it's cool. It's the way we connect to the fans. And uh, like I said, we got to do it because sometimes they cannot talk to you live. They talk to us there. So I reply a couple messages on Twitter as well. It was funny. I, I met one, uh, one girl who I made the video for her birthday. And uh, she oh, was so cool. happy to see me. She said, oh, you did a happy birthday for me. I think we would really appreciate that. So this kind of how feedback cool was, is that? Yeah, yeah. was very, was funny. It was yeah. good at the same time. That's awesome. Yeah. And how, how often do you get to go home? Uh, it depends. Now in pandemic, it's way more difficult, of course. Now it's getting better. Uh, many countries are open uh, to Brazilians with the vaccination. But uh, a couple of times I go back, uh, I go to Monte Carlo. Sasha invites me to go there. I stay there and practice, do not fly all the way to Brazil. So we can spend mm -hmm. some time yeah. there as well. This, of course, helps a lot. But uh, always when I have the chance, I want to see my family. I want to see uh, the friends there as well. And the Brazilian food. That is it for this week. Come back next week when we'll round up all the action from Rio and elsewhere on tour. Remember, you can find all the latest news, scores and orders of play on atptour.com or you can download the ATP Tour app. You can also watch all the action live on Tennis TV. For now, though, thanks for listening. Enjoy the tennis. <laughs>